if you ever show up at a work site, you should have two things in your hands. One's a coffee pot, and the second is a bag of donuts. And that's it. Drop them off and say sayonara. Live from the municipalities of Saskatchewan office, this is MuniCast, the municipal podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Whiskar. This podcast is brought to you by SaskTel's innovation and collaboration team. SaskTel can help you sort through the noise to create solutions that add value quickly. Whether it's reducing your environmental footprint, driving investment, community development, or just saving money, contact your SaskTel account manager to find out more. On today's episode, I sit down with author and municipal expert George Cuff. George has been a municipal department head. He was the mayor for 12 years in Spruce Grove, Alberta, and he's the former president of AUMA and FCM. Our conversation today is centered on governance and how you can lead by example. There's lots to discuss, so let's jump into it. Thank you, George, for joining us on MuniCast, our municipal podcast. We're really excited to have you on as a guest. And uh, giving the opportunity to work with you, I'm really looking forward to the conversation that we're going to have today. I just want to start with a conversation around who you are. You've got lots of new councillors that have come in in the most recent election, and not all of them are going to know who you are. So if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and is your time as mayor of Spruce Grove, as well as the president of AUMA and FCM. The quick Coles Notes uh, summary is that I was born, raised, educated in Edmonton. I went to high school in the West End. It was the largest school in uh, Western Canada at the time. Went from high school to Royal Bank for a year and a half for two years. Uh, was a failed accountant. Uh, went from <coughs> the Royal Bank to uh, Atlantic Richfield Oil Company. Did the same kind of accounting. It took me two cracks at accounting to realize that that's not where my life's future lay. Um, I ended up going over to the University of Alberta because uh, I always loved sports. I was actually a reasonably good athlete in high school in both track and field as well as boxing. And I talked to the head of the U of A faculty of phys ed and recreation. I uh, graduated, went to work as a director of parks and recreation in Spruce Grove in 1974. Three years later, I had stepped down from the director position, gone to work for the province, and in 1977, I ran for him, was elected mayor, the youngest mayor in history in this part of the world, and uh, was 29 years of age, first time in the mayor's chair, first time as a council member, uh, stayed 12 years. I was a slow learner, so it took me a while to figure everything out. Uh, during my 12 years, I was uh, president of the Alberta Urban Municipalities Association and then president of the Federation of Canadian Municipalities, both of which I consider to be high honors. And at the same time, I was a full-time management consultant, which means I burned the candle at both ends and obviously through the middle. I just carried on consulting when I stepped down. I decided after 12 years there wasn't a great number of reasons for me to carry on. You know, you've done what you can do. The municipality was on a good footing. We'd gone from being a town to a city. A lot of good things had happened in the community. We had set up a new live arts theater. Uh, we were involved in any number of things. We ended up developing facilities because we had nothing as a community. Developed major facilities, including the Grand Fuhr Arena, uh, which has now been doubled and uh, by a, a second arena in the same complex. A whole bunch of things. Water treatment system, sewage treatment system, new roadways, new subdivisions, community grew at a miraculous rate, still growing. We've gone from when I started was about six or 7,000 people to now 36,000 today. 
it's a community just outside of Edmonton, about 20 minutes west. If you went from Edmonton to Jasper, you'd go through Spruce Grove. So at the same time that I was consulting, I ended up doing seminars for organizations like SUMA and SARM and uh, for other organizations across Canada, for municipalities. Uh, during COVID, I tallied up the work that I've done, and it ended up being 450 major studies of municipalities, crown corporations, provincial departments, uh, as well as 700 seminars uh, for individual municipalities, for regional sets of municipalities, for provincial governments, uh, the whole works. At the same time, I've worked on and written uh, 10 books for municipalworld.com and also have written 400 articles for the same publisher, uh, including two recent ones. One called uh, Tucker Goes to City Hall, which is a great little story uh, for schools that are grade four, five, six, where they're looking to learn something about local government. It would be a great book for a mayor to buy and take across to the school board or to the individual school classes during local government week. And it would be a great educational learning piece uh, for their parents as well. At the same time, I wrote a book called The Mayor, and that'll be coming out in the next couple of months by Municipal World as well. So that's a quick, as quick as I can make it, summary of uh, life well spent. A key piece of our conversation that I wanna have with you today, George, is around legacy planning. And uh, as you put it in uh, the most recent webinar you did with us, how do you achieve a sense of accomplishment in your municipal term? And how do you bring that added value to your municipality? I just want to get your thoughts on that. Uh, how do councillors achieve that sense of accomplishment and added value that you discuss in that webinar? You know, what I find interesting, Sean, is that uh, people uh, run for office uh, sometimes without any particular broad range goal or plan in mind. Uh, the goal of the day is to simply get elected and unfortunately for some folks that's exactly where it starts and stops uh, they get elected they walk into the municipal office sometimes for the first time in their career or their life uh, and they're sitting now in the mayor's chair or the councillor's chair and they're being brought all kinds of briefing materials i hope by the local management uh, but council itself uh, ends up getting surrounded by all of this material and doesn't ask themselves, so what, what got me here? What brought me to the dance? And uh, what are the public expecting me to do? And the last thing they're expecting you to do is to manage the municipality. But unfortunately, that's where a whole lot of people get into and they or get stuck right there. Uh, and they presume that they're simply poorly paid administrators. Uh, if they looked at their pay stub or their honorarius stub and compared it with the CAO of the municipality, they quickly realize there's a vast gulf between the two. And then they ought to be asking themselves the question, so if I'm not being paid for my managerial smarts, which is a good thing, uh, what am I being paid for? And the answer is you're being paid to be a leader. You're being paid to carve out a vision for the municipality. You're being paid to identify the major issues and challenges facing the municipality. You're being paid to figure out the what of a municipality, which is all around policy. You're being asked to figure out, so what kind of corporate direction do we take? Do we have sufficient staffing to meet the needs of the community? If we don't, what kind of resources do we need? What impact does that have on taxation? What utilities do we have? What is the bare minimum that a municipality should have? What services should we be providing for our size of municipality? And those, of course, differ right across the breadth of this country. Uh, I just got an email this morning from somebody in Prince Edward Island talking about the services that they're able to provide because they're a very small municipality. Well, Saskatchewan's got all kinds of those. 
Uh, so what should be a bare minimum of services being provided? That's a part of being the mayor and councillors to ask those kinds of thought-provoking questions, to talk about the broader picture, to talk about what's the priorities, what are we doing about enhancing the downtown, all of those things. You know, what's our citizens expecting of us? And for the most part, and I realize there's the odd exception, but for the most part, they're not expecting a councillor to go out and uh, resurface the road and figure out whether it's one inch of gravel that's missing or two inches, or whether the greater blade should be eight feet wide or 10 feet wide. I mean, those things are expected to be figured out by your public works department in support of a chief administrative officer. So we've got council members that are going down to the mechanic shop to provide what? Direction to the mechanic? I say to council members, if you ever show up at a work site, you should have two things in your hands. One's a coffee pot, and the second is a bag of donuts. And that's it. Drop them off and say sayonara. Uh, otherwise, you're interfering in day-to-day -day management, which is not what you get elected to do. So I think the huge challenge, and it's absolutely fundamental, is just this whole issue of role clarity. What should a council be doing? What's the legacy? Well, the legacy is, you know, we looked at our orientation program, and we improved it. We looked at our procedure bylaw, which governs everything we do in a meeting, and we improved that. We looked at what we did in terms of strategic thinking. I sometimes think the phrase strategic planning is the wrong uh, name, but in any case, we did some strategic thinking, set some priorities. Uh, we looked at the review process we have for our chief administrative officer. We looked at how often we sit down and talk to him or her with regard to what's happening in the municipality. Uh, we did some planning around uh, what, what major projects are we looking at doing? All of those things become part of the legacy rather than did I check the air and the tires of the greater? To me, it's, you know, we've missed it and municipalities are still missing it. Large centers have the same people walking in. They still wear the same kind of clothing. You know, they may be somewhat more dressed up as a city of Regina or Saskatoon, but they're still individuals and somehow they walk in and they figure out, most of them, that our job is governance. It's not management. These folks that are sitting in front of us, they're called the CAO, the city manager, the chief administrative officer. We've hired people to make this work. Uh, our job is to give them proper guidance and then evaluate how are we doing. Well, you bring up an excellent point and, you know, something that comes up time and time again for our municipal members is around falling into the pitfalls of blurring the lines between being a council and being administration for the city. You hear stories of the road clearing operator being sick and a councillor stepping up to say, you know what, I'll go clear the roads and kind of stepping into that uh, administration role. And that can, that can really be damaging to a municipality and really open them up to serious risks. I, something I want to touch on here, I think there are times, though, when the chief administrative officer might not be in alignment with what the council and mayor want for the community. And I'm, I'm just kind of curious to get your thoughts on how you think councils can deal with conflict between their council and the CAO, and what's the best course of action if uh, a CAO and a mayor aren't necessarily aligned on an issue? So, again, it gets back to the beginning. Where do you start? Well, what you start with is an orientation process, a brand new council. Let's say it's all brand new, five or seven new members walking in, brand new, never been in council before. The CAO should have pre-planned an orientation. Now, it might have involved bringing me in to do a regional seminar or a local one if you can afford it. But at some point, you should have somebody in to teach governance. It's very hard for an administrator to teach their own council how to govern. What's your role as my boss? 
is a very difficult conversation. So you're far better off getting together a bunch of municipalities, bringing in the consultant to do a session on governance. The, the CAO then needs to explain, so how do we do things here in our community? How's the structure set up? And I would limit it to the CAO and department heads. I wouldn't go into the details because all that does is invite council into the details. I would talk about what is the relationship expected to be like between me as your CAO and you as the mayor and councillors. How do we build that relationship? Now, in some cases, the relationship is shot before the day has started because the council members had prior experience with the CAO, didn't like the person then when they were citizens, and now that they're elected officials, it's got worse. So if that's the case, you need to make a tough decision and probably change your world. And that likely means pulling the plug. And that likely means paying off the CAO at considerable expense, by the way, because some of them have been there for a long time and they're not going to leave without a reasonably good soft landing parachute. So a council has to go through the process of figuring out what is the CAO, what do they do, what roles do they have, what roles do we have, and then how is this going to work in the next three to six months. And I would encourage a council to give themselves at least that amount of time to figure out, can we make this work with the person we have? Because to do otherwise, A, it sets a, a bad precedent for the municipality, and secondly, there's a significant cost to it, both human and capital cost to it. I would also make sure that I had a process in place to do a performance review of the CAO on a probably a minimum yearly basis. Some of you municipalities that you talk to in Saskatchewan have never done a CAO review. I remember doing some work in Bathurst, New Brunswick years ago, and I was interviewing all of the department heads, and I interviewed the head of public works, and I said, so Charlie, how long have you been here? 33 years. said, so uh, when was the last time you had a performance review? He thought for a moment and he said 32 and a half years ago. The last time a performance review. He spent 33 years approximately not having anybody sit down with him and say, here's how it's going. That's tragic. That's unbelievable. Like I can't imagine any organization would do that to their senior employees. You're not going to sit down with them, take time at the end of a day or beginning of a week and say, let's have a chat about this. They can contact me. I've got a simple format to use. And they can sit down with the CAO and go over this performance review in a matter of two hours or less make it the only item on the agenda. It's the biggest decision you're gonna make in four years. So decide to yourself, how are we gonna make this work? And if there are specific things you don't like in terms of attitude and promptness of response and complete answers and all that kind of stuff, you express all of that. You make sure that the CEO understands what you are expecting out of the situation and you listen to him or her give you their response. You go through this whole process and you make sure it's all clear. One of the critical features of any performance reviews, do we have respect and confidence in the person that reports to us? And when it's not there, it's not there. It's not about to get rebuilt, I'll guarantee you. And so you got a major decision in front of you. I did work recently in the city of Nanaimo, where they have 60, six zero management positions. In five years, they went through 110 changes. You gotta let that sink in for a while. That cost them a million and a half in terms of severance costs. That's money going out of the till that could have been used on services for the city are going to pay disgruntled employees that have been fired. Why? Well, maybe they were hired badly. Maybe you brought in the wrong people. Chances are you did no orientation, did no training, 
and you expected it all to work. Well, it didn't work. Or the person at the top is, uh, creates a toxic and poisonous atmosphere. There's a whole bunch of reasons why these things go on. So I would argue that it's incumbent on any council and any CAO to have a really good discussion right out of the gate around what are we expecting, what relationship should be built, and how are we going to build that? How are we going to know this is working? And if there's any sign of a flaw or tattering at the edges, then we ought to be sitting down a month from now, three months from now. Don't wait for the next performance review. Let's simply say we're concerned about these three issues, Sally. Uh, let's meet in two months' time and let's have the same discussion. Council, CAO, nobody else. And be candid. Don't sit there and fudge the issue. Why is that important? Because then people can pick up and move on. Fudging it tells people zip. And it's not fair to the employee. It's not fair to the community. So council has a responsibility. So does the CAO. Something that came up in that conversation, which I thought was really interesting, was you talked about kind of the concept of you're here for four years and that might be it. That's as far as you might get down the line or much like you, you may be the mayor for three terms and 12 years. I think kind of a key piece of this conversation that counselors don't often think about is the succession planning and how that plays into your evaluation of your term, as well as your evaluation of the municipality as a whole. I'm curious, how do you see succession planning in the municipal context? What emphasis should municipal counselors be putting on thinking about what comes after they leave? So there's two aspects of succession planning that I would strike at first. Number one, is succession planning for council. And the way you do that is that you have no idea who in the community is interested in running for office, but you make sure you develop really good pre-election materials that are available on your website. They're available at city hall or municipal office. People can stop by and pick up a background material on what it means to be an elected official. And if you don't have any of that stuff, drop me a note and I'll send you some stuff that you can use as background material. Chances are your provincial municipal affairs department has got a number of pieces that you can make use of. So part of it is educating the public. Part of it is having a, so you thought you know local government piece on your website and you use that to attract people to say, did you know that your council and management are involved in the following things? You might do a, uh, a pre-election uh, orientation for those that are thinking of running. And I remember teaching one of those in Red Deer, Alberta, and I said to somebody afterwards, I said, it's probably my most valuable seminar because I actually probably talked to a few people out of running. Uh, they were absolutely the wrong people who were running for a one cause, one event, whatever, one issue, and uh, they'd have been a disaster as a council member, so I'm glad they didn't run. But it gives you a chance to connect and it gives you a chance to build in. And if you know good citizens, who you've appointed to boards and committees, you tap them on the shoulder and say, you know, you really should think about running for local office. That's how you get people in terms of succession planning for council. The second part is succession planning for our CAO. So you need to have a succession planning policy. And again, if you don't have one, drop me a note, I'll send you a copy of a draft. Uh, secondly, you need a succession policy plan. How do we go about doing this? Uh, what happens if our CEO just up and announces, well, that's it, I'm done, I can't stand it any longer, or they retire and you haven't properly prepared for that, what do you do? Do you just find the person inside the organization that you think is kind of the best bet, uh, the former assistant administrator? Unless you've planned and thought about this, your next step could be a very unwise choice. 
because you're saying to somebody, you're our go-to person, when in actual fact, you never thought they were. You thought that they would be a good placeholder until you went out and did some advertising or some recruitment. I still find it difficult to believe that a good-sized municipality, say a Swift Current or a Moose Jaw or a Yorkton, uh, loses their CAO. Uh, the first thing they ought to be doing after they've talked about what's our steps to go through is to reach out to a recruitment professional to say, we need you to help us find who's out there. Now, these aren't people that are unemployed. They're not casting about looking for jobs. Uh, they're currently employed with another municipality. So how do we tap their shoulder and get them interested in applying for our job? That's all a part of recruitment, which is a part of succession planning. Succession planning means that's one or two other people in your organization that could step in and in the interim, they could manage the municipality. Now, are they the long-term choice? Don't know. But at least you've given yourself some breathing room and that's part of a CAO's job is to gift the people below him or her to become CAOs in the future. Are they going to be the person? I don't know, but at least you've got a starting point. So I think succession planning is a critical piece of what a municipal council is responsible for. Well, I think that piece of being prepared for you know what happens the day after your CAO leaves is crucial. You can be caught kind of unprepared to uh, manage the day-to-day in your municipality, which as a, as a resident of that municipality is a really scary thought to think that those essential services may see disruptions in delivery as well as kind of, you know, other significant changes to your day-to-day life. I think, uh, George, you've been able to bring a lot of value to this conversation and uh, some of the resources that you're willing to share with our members are absolutely invaluable and they bring a lot to council. And, you know, if you're a new councillor out there and you don't know where to start, but you're really eager to make kind of some of these big changes and, and kind of fix some of these flaws in uh, in your community governance process, George, I think you're a great person to start with. We're just about out of time here for our interview, but I just want to give you an opportunity to, uh, to kind of give a plug for yourself and uh, talk about some of the services and how people can get in contact with you. So, Sean, I'm at a stage and an age where I don't do proposals. I haven't in the last 20 years. People want to hire me to do a seminar or come in and do a governance audit. Uh, they can get a hold of me on my uh, email, george at georgecuff.com. Uh, if they want to find out how one should be done, they can send me a note. I don't think that everybody ready to be has to be a client of mine. Uh, they're, they're an engaged person. They want to know something more about local government. They suspect that I might have a template. For example, I'm doing a performance review. Send me the note. I'll send you the template. And I don't send you the bill. Uh, you want to know how to draft a policy? Send me the note. I'll send you a template. I may point you to a certain book that I've written with municipalworld.com. And you can go there. There's a list of 10 books, one of which is on policy development. The first two are Cuff's Guide for Municipal Leaders. It's a great place to start. Uh, there's a funny one called... Uh, Life in the Trenches, which is uh, stories that have happened in city halls across Canada. Uh, So there's a a ton of stuff that's available. I've got articles uh, on virtually every topic in local government governance. And if I haven't developed it, I know who has. I need to have somebody help you with strategic planning. Drop me the note. I'll send you a couple of names. You need some help with regard to compensation planning. Drop me the note. I'll send you a couple of names. Anyway, I just think I could be a resource to people, uh, and I have people writing to me, including from Saskatchewan, virtually every day. And virtually every day, I start my morning off by responding to uh, emails. So feel free, if you're a small municipality, 
I worked in tons of small municipalities. So don't think that I'm going to give you a city of Saskatoon or city of Regina answer if you're a small community of a thousand people or less. Uh, you get a sense to understand what's your background, what is your resources, what are your requirements. Uh, and once I figure that out, I'm able to provide some help over the phone or by email. If you want to see all the wonderful things I've ever written about myself, just go on my website, which is georgecuff.com, and you can read to your heart's content. Uh, most of it is believable, uh, if not all of it, so uh, feel free. Thanks, Sean, for the opportunity. I'm delighted to share a piece of my mind that I can ill afford to do without. It was a pleasure having you on our podcast. I certainly learned a lot and I took a lot away from this conversation. So we certainly hope that listeners will as well. Thank you again, George. I look forward to seeing you again at an upcoming Municipalities of Saskatchewan event and hopefully in person. We hope you've enjoyed our premier episode of MuniCast. Make sure you like and follow our podcast on whatever platform you're listening. We're releasing new MuniCast episodes every second Wednesday of the month for the next six months. And now, here's a sneak peek of my conversation with Todd Schaefer from SBRA on recreation, coming out June 9th. We often look at uh, recreation as that kind of the the solution to keeping kids out of trouble or for uh, um, uh, kind of looking at it from a, a an almost like a negative perspective. But I do think it's it's about that sense of belonging and connecting people to what's going on uh, and what those opportunities are.